Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. They carry the Ark of the God of Israel away, which is approximately 12 miles southeast of Ashdod. Imagine if you were one of the Philistines having to carry this Ark to the next city. What a nice thing to do. Of all the five cities of the, the Philistines, it's sort of like the hot potato. You ever play that game when you were little? To the rock I Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. As God continues to punish the Philistines for stealing the Ark of the Covenant, their lords gathered to decide what to do with the Ark to reverse the curse that it brought them. Instead of submitting to the God of Israel, they decided to get rid of him. Yet we can't get rid of God. We can do things to push him away, but even the best of those attempts are temporary. We must all face God and stand before Him one day. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finishes chapter 5 of 1 Samuel. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it, and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. It's exactly what the Philistines... They they were just one of many gods. Dagon was just one. They were a polytheistic culture. Poly meaning many. They worship many gods. Sort of like America. We worship many gods. They may not be on a statue, but they may be in a high-rise somewhere. It may be parked out front. It may have a basement on the lake. Maybe a person. Maybe a spouse. Maybe your 401k. You would logically think that if your god is not more powerful than another god, that you would switch gods. <laughs> but with the Philistines, this wasn't the case. They were devoted out of ignorance and they would continue to follow their impotent God to the bitter end. How unfortunate. And yet God still loves, doesn't he? He still loves. Do you think that he was, that he didn't love those people? Do you think God was prejudiced? Do you think God was racist? There's a term in our culture today. No, there was no race with God. He's not a racist. Neither are we. Racism should never exist in the Christian church. We should see everybody in the likeness of God. We're all made in his image. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter where you came from. None of that should exist here. Hopefully it never will. We have to overcome that. And that's a good thing to ask. Say, Lord, if there's any of this in me, remove it. But God is not a racist. He deals with sin. He cares about sin. No matter who it is, no matter who it is, 
God is not a respecter of persons, which means he doesn't, he's not partial to anyone. A man's own sin he will pay for. And if you pay for it, you're going to be in trouble. But if Jesus pays for it, you're in good shape. But in order to make him or to have him pay for it, you have to bend your knee and bow your heart to him. And I'm so glad I did that at the age of 24 because these last, you know, um, 26, 27 years have been the best of my life. Because I know where I'm going. And it's not because of any good thing that I've done. It's all because of him. That makes all the difference in the world. But God loves, and he's, as it says in Second Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient toward us. What? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. That word in the Greek is really wonderful. The word all, you know what it means? All. <laughs> it means all. It doesn't mean, oh, only the Republicans, only the Democrats, only the independents, only the people who are in the Green Deal. No, he paid for all, (laughs) right? In Ezekiel chapter 33 of 11, God says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in bringing judgment. The Bible says that it's a strange work. But he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? And he's speaking to his own people for their idolatry. Notice in verse 5, back in our text this evening, he said, Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon, notice Dagon had priests, just like Israel had their own priests. They had these men who would serve their false idol, this God. So the priests of Dagon... Um, therefore, I'm sorry, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Because in Ashdod, that was the temple of Dagon. That was the major temple. And when that idol fell over before the ark and his parts of him was falling off over the threshold, because they're a superstitious people, they wouldn't cross that threshold. You know, they wouldn't walk over it. They'd have to leap over it or something. But they held, still held their God in high esteem. Isn't that amazing? Again, I, I just I can't escape that. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? This is just not working. <laughs> you know, if our God was really powerful, he could call down lightning. He could do something, right? But this God is falling down before that God, so I think I'm going to switch gods. I think that's a really good idea. But when you switch to go to Jehovah, it's one-stop shopping. When you switch to Jesus, there's no, the, the search is over. People search all over the place. They're trying to find peace. They're trying to find contentment. They're trying to find, you know, and they'll never find it in anything except for Jesus Christ. I know I looked. I looked all over trying to find, you know, what's that song? I searched the world over and thought I found true love, right? And nothing. Some of you remember that song from, was it the Beverly Hillbillies? No. Hee Haw. It was Hee Haw, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I decided not to. But thanks for filling in the blank. <laughs> now I don't have to edit the tape. Tape, look at that. I don't have to edit the file. So anyway, God, he does not delight in the death of the wicked. It's interesting in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God speaking of judgment to come, he said, In the same day I will punish all those who leap over the threshold. No doubt uh, a reference to Uh, This kind of thing where people put so much superstition into things. Be careful about those kinds of things. 
in Europe, they're very superstitious. When I was over in Bulgaria, I've been over there a couple times, and uh, the people there are very superstitious, even the Christians. And even in our own culture here in America, we have uh, superstition built into our culture. You know, don't step on a crack, you might break your mother's back. You know, if a bird hits a window, you know, it's bad luck. If you go under a ladder, if you walk under a ladder, you know, you're going to be in trouble. Black cat, I saw a black cat, ah! You know, and then, you know, it's Friday the 13th, and you're going on an elevator. You know, I mean, all these crazy kinds of things... Knock on wood, you know. I mean, what's all that? It's like, is God all-powerful? Does he need me to knock on wood, you know, uh, to secure something? He's like, don't bother. I know who you are. Believe me, as a Christian, you can walk over all the ladders. You can hold the black cat. You can let it purr in your bosom as you hold it and keeping you warm in the winter months. You can hold that black cat and you can look at him and you can scratch him behind the ears. You could even kiss it on the nose. If you chose to, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could even do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God is not in all that stuff. You can get married on Friday the 13th. Nobody does, but you could. And your marriage could last forever. The world doesn't say so, but they were so filled with superstition. Oh, don't cross the threshold. That's where God was falling in pieces over the threshold. I'm still so broken up about it, no pun intended. Verse 6 says, But the hand of the Lord was very heavy, or was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. These tumors are literally boils or ulcer, and it's usually on your rear end. Okay, it's like, can I just say it? It's hemorrhoids. This is like really bad. If you've had them, can you imagine that? It's like the size of a baseball. You know, um, so God smote them with these boils and ulcers on their private parts. Some have even said this could have been the bubonic plague that broke out among them. You remember the bubonic plague ravaged Asia and Europe in the 14th century, killing some between 75 to 2,000 or 200 million people. Now that's a pandemic. Everyone was susceptible to that. Young kids, everyone in between, elderly people, nobody was exempt from it. If you got it, there was one, you were going to die unless God did something. Right? There was no cure. That was a true pandemic. What we have today is nothing. Don't be afraid of COVID-19. Take care of yourself. Do what we're doing. But don't freak out about it. You know what? I don't even care if I get it. Whatever. <laughs> Take your vitamin C. Do whatever you got to do. Chances are you're going to live. You know what? Only 0.06 people die in the United States. Six one-hundredths of a percent. And usually those are all elderly people with existing conditions. Why should you be worrying? Why should we shut down everything? But I digress. So, so a horrible disease comes upon them. And the fact that rats were involved, we'll see this in the, in the sixth chapter as we get in here, that uh, that rats were involved in this too, and they were great spreaders of the bubonic plague in Europe and Asia. Rats and fleas. Fleas and rats biting people, giving them disease. And then it was airborne. Human beings were able to spread it. And because of the ship, uh, the ship uh, shipping lanes and all those different ports they went in, it would just start there and spread out all over the place. Very contagious. So here we have the Lord striking them with some kind of disease. 
And it says in verse 7, And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of God must not come with us, for it, his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon, our God. Does it sound like Egypt? Remember how God judged the idols, the gods of Egypt? Every one of those plagues, those ten plagues that we read about in Exodus, God was judging the gods of the Egyptians, in addition to bringing judgment upon the people. Showing them how impotent their god of the Nile was, he would turn their, their rivers, the Nile River, into blood, as an example. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So now they carry the ark of the God of Israel away, and which is approximately 12 miles southeast of Ashdod. Imagine if you were one of the Philistines having to carry this ark to the next city. What a nice thing to do. Of all the five cities of the, the Philistines, it's sort of like the hot potato. You ever play that game when you were little? You know, you have the hot potato and you're tossing it around. It's like, ow, ow, ow. You, you take it out of the oven and you, you're passing it around like that. Well, that's what the ark was. It was the hot potato. And everywhere it went, it was wiping them out, giving them hemorrhoids like they've never believed in. You know, and they couldn't just go down to, uh, well, never mind. So, <sighs> you know, I'm such a guy because guys taught, if this was a men's thing, could have a lot more fun with that. But... <laughs> But notice, these five cities of the Philistines, it's interesting, Gaza is the only one that's not mentioned, but we believe that Gaza was hit too, because later on we find out that they were all hit with this plague, and plagues of this nature. And so it was, verse 9, that after they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. He struck the men of the city, both small and great, with these tumors breaking out on them, and therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. Great! It's killing all of us and giving us all these problems. Let's send it to you. Merry Christmas! What a great gift to send to friends. Hey, I heard about that thing. Don't send it to us. Oh, you're going to get it. Hey, if we had to suffer through it, misery loves company, right? If I'm going to go through it, you're going to go through it too. You're going to taste the full force of this thing. Isn't it true? And Akron was roughly five to six miles north of Gath now. So they sent and they gathered together all the lords of the Philistines, and they said, send this thing away and let it go back to its own place so that it does, so that it does not kill us and our people. They're still thinking of it as just an it. They don't realize that the... The God of the ark is more important than just the ark of God. Who is it that's coming against them? Is it the ark or is it God? It's God. But they see, they see it as like a, a, a box that's been personified. This is what it means. God is in that box, and he's the one who's taking this out on us. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. You know, this is a really horrible kind of condition to go through. If you've ever gone through anything like this, and certainly it was really bad, as opposed to what many in this room probably have encountered in their time of their life. But this was severe, severe things. And do you think God delighted in doing that? He never delights. Again, judgment is God's strange work. He'd much rather, as we've read before the scriptures, he'd much rather that we repent and live. That's God's heart. That's his desire. But God can and will turn up the flame on us when we are living in sin. 
when we continue to live in rebellion, he doesn't have to do much because we find that there is a wage to sin. The wages of sin is what? It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So I'm either going um, to pay for something and I'm going to reap some really bad things, or I can receive the gift, which is everlasting life through Jesus Christ. So I have to make the decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to be rebellious? Am I going to continue in my sin? Or, or am I going to look at it square in the mirror and say, I must crucify this area of my life. Don't let have the, anything have dominion over you. There are people in this room, and there are certainly people online, people all over this area, because we're people, have issues. Some are habitual sins. Some are things you do every now and then. But folks, if it's against what the Bible tells us, because is God, does he just want to, like, he doesn't want you to have a good time? Believe me, I've never known the real joys of life until I've come to Christ. Because all those other things, they're, they're cheap, and they're, they, they happen for a minute, and then it's gone, and then you find that that's the way the devil works. He gives you the, he shines it to you and makes it look all good. All the commercials are making it look like everybody's having a good time. You know, the beer, you never notice that in the beer commercials? Everyone's dressed to the nines, they're all beautiful people, and they're all got a beer in their hand. Yay! And then, you know. It's like, and then the young kids look at that stuff and are like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 21. That's what I want to do. I'll do it when I get to college, when nobody knows. I'll, I'll go to college on the way other side of the country. Nobody will know me over there, and I can just be an idiot. They don't tell you what happens the next day when you're worshiping the porcelain altar. When you wake up next to somebody that you, you're like, what is this? Who is this? They never tell you about that. The guilt that's associated with that never, because that really doesn't happen, does it? It's all just fun and games. That's not the truth. Notice, oh boy, I think we're going to have to stop there and we'll take communion. I really wanted to get into chapter 6, but I don't think we're going to get there. But you know what? Be Think about what is, you know, has happened here with them. You know, the, we're going to see later on that God gave to Israel much less rope. Much less rope. But because their heart wasn't single toward God, they, they, they were very still wrestling with their own idolatry, not being completely obedient to God. And then God has to take away the thing that seems most precious to them. But they really didn't, again, they didn't know the God of the ark. They were just looking at the ark of the God of Israel. It became a, a, a fetish for them. It became a, a, a talisman against evil. That's why they took it into battle. Maybe it will save us. There's nothing that can save you except for Jesus Christ. There's no religious artifact that you can hold that will somehow ward away the demons. I don't know if any of you saw the, the, the movie Exorcist. Hopefully you never did, but I remember when I was a young I don't know, I was probably 9 or 10 years old or even younger than that, and I saw it for the first time, and I never wanted to sleep again for the rest of my life. All the shadows in my room are like, it's the devil, you know. But remember when the priest was holding up the cross? And Linda Blair, com- you know, consumed with this devil? The priest didn't have any faith in that cross. He's holding up the cross like, a, like, a, you know, like, a, like some kind of you know, holy water, like, you can't touch me, and the, and the devil's like, oh, I've already got you. What does that mean? There's no faith in that. They put more confidence in the cross that was before them rather than the God who hung on the cross, right? 
It's a difference. Same thing they did. They put their faith in something else rather than Jesus. Never let anything come between you and Jesus. Because whatever that thing is, God may have to let your enemies take it from you. He may take it from you. The thing that you desire more than anything because you put so much trust and so much hope in that one thing, whatever it is, he will not compete with anything from man's hands. He will not compete with a fancy automobile. He will not compete with a spouse. Never put your spouse on an altar in your heart. Make sure that Jesus alone is on the altar of your heart, and then he can give you all those things, and he can give them to you freely because he knows they're not going to destroy you. But if he gives a man who is completely bent on lust and bent on material possessions... If he gives him the, you know, the six-foot blonde wife who has you know, all the hair and everything, he gives that to him and he gives him all the money, that man is done. Do you understand? See, I can speak for a man. I don't know what, what really triggers you ladies. Maybe it's a, a gift card, you know, an unlimited gift card you know, to shop any mall in the world and uh, you know, to eat as much chocolate as you want without gaining an ounce. You know, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe, you know... I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, <laughs> it's not really going to help. But give your heart to Christ. Give your heart to Christ. Otherwise, he has to take it away because he can't entrust anybody with anything if that's going to be the altar, if that's going to be where they spend their time. You know what I'm talking about. I used to have a, um, Every one of us, at certain points in our life, have something maybe you saved up for. could be in just whatever it is. It could be a guitar. It could be a car. It could be an instrument. Whatever it may be. And something you really are like, especially when you're young, you, you save up all this money. You've been doing the paper route. You've been mowing the grass. You've been doing it. Finally, the day comes and you got the cash to go out and buy that thing that you've been lusting for. You know. And you know what? And then you go out and you get it. Then you build a shrine around it. Nobody can touch it. I've always, I like to see those guys. I remember going to Wegmans one time, and you know the, the parking lot was fairly you know, sparse, not very, very many cars, and yet this guy drives up in a Lamborghini, right? And he parks way on the other side where nobody is. And I thought to myself, man, if I just could remote control like one of those seagulls, you know, and just, you know, all right, go over, drop, you know, and but, you know... <laughs> You know, we do those things, and we, we hide these things off, and we're like, oh, i got to keep this secret. This is my own little God, you know. And something happens with time and age, and especially if you know Christ, all of a sudden those things are nice, but they, you know in your heart there's, they're nice. You know, it's like the, the car that I just received, you know. It's a, it's a Jeep, and I love it, you know. I could never afford a car like that, and a relative basically gave it to us. I was completely blown away. I was completely thrilled. But the Lord could entrust it to me because he knew that I wouldn't be lighting candles around it. Do I take care of it? I do. I try. Because I'll probably never get anything like that ever again. And I know that. I believe that. (laughs) I mean, he could do it again. But, you know, there, there are things that we put so much love upon. And, you know, the love, and God knows, he's not upset that you like things. We just got to be careful. But the Jews at this time, they put so much focus on the, on the ark of God rather than the God of the ark. And whenever that happens, God has to deal with that. He can't let us, because he's a good God. He's a good father. We sing it. 
You're a good, good father. That's, it's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Who am I? I'm one who's loved by you. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.